And we're in. Basketball season has arrived. Yeah. The Kings certainly look better this year. I mean, preseason expectations are always low. Yeah, we're the best. Relatively high. I think last year they they like they won the preseason. Yeah, we won uh, for sure summer league. We're the best summer league preseason team in the nation. Yeah, and then it just falls apart. But hopefully this year. I uh, There's mixed reviews on uh, <clears throat> Mike Brown, uh, our new head coach, but all the players seem to like him so far. Yeah, uh, I I like him ish just because he was a Cavaliers coach forever when we were good. Um, it's hard with big sports college; you can kind of figure it out because coaches stay with the same team for so long, so you can start yeah. to see what happens. Like, oh, this year he actually doesn't have that much talent, and he still did well. And the NBA is kind of hard. Like, obviously, certain coaches have large winning percentages, and you can go to stats and records, but like, so much is talent dependent. Sure, some coaches stay there for a long time, yeah. you know, but like even seven years isn't that long to me, you know, to really yeah. show what's going on. Because, yeah, you coach Michael Jordan for seven years. Isn't the deal that basketball – is basketball have the highest or lowest um, uh, uh, additional wins based on who's coaching? I can't remember. That, oh, I don't know. Yeah, incredible. I don't know. It, it, it might be lowest. Yeah, meaning that the talent drives the – Right. I don't know. Yeah. Ba- baseball would seem that way for me, just off the top of my dome. Right? Like, there's just less, slightly less strategy from the coach. If you've got a fucking banging pitcher and you have five dudes who could hit the ball, they're going to do it regardless of what the coach, what kind of ranch or barbecue sunflower seeds he puts in your fucking <laughs> locker. <laughs> yeah, the Dorito flavors. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Besides what that guy's. Yeah, the, the batting lineup, I don't think is going to like fucking make you lose 80 games it's it's how it's how they get used and not necessarily how they individually perform if that makes sense like you know that so-and-so is good in this particular kind of situation sure, you, sure, can, sure. you can sub them in yeah i mean the problem with with baseball is that once you sub for somebody then they're gone yeah same with soccer but not basketball no not at all <clears throat> not at all which would lead me to believe that basketball, that a basketball coach has, I can't find this stat at all, but I know it exists, um, might have more of an impact. Football, potentially. No, I think I think football, I mean, this is just off the top. Yeah, I would say football and basketball are the highest. It's just the NBA to college ratio, I would think, is different. Because, of, because of like, the culture and because, like, you're getting a bunch of, like, 17-year-olds together that have never... That for such different pasts, mm-hmm. where in, in, in the NBA versus NC2A basketball in particular, you're getting you're very least get a professional. You get yeah. one rookie a year, you know, who's eighteen to twenty four. Right. But everybody else is like a professional. They've been in some type of situation. When you grab seventeen year olds from all over the world, you have no clue what their like locker room culture is, their winning culture, mm-hmm. their mentality is. If someone's made it all the way to the NBA, they got something in them. Now it's on you to organize them. But, like, yeah, Kobe's going to be Kobe, you know. Um, and I, I'd probably agree. I would probably say maybe football. But basketball, football, probably toss-up with mm-hmm. the coach's impact. Because there's been a lot of quarterbacks. I don't know, maybe NFL, actually. Because there's a lot of quarterbacks that just are absolute dog shit, dog water. And then yeah. they'll get a certain system. But NBA is kind of the same. Steve Nash, a lot of people regard him the top five point guards of all time. But if he didn't have, like – D'Antoni, which like just kind of coached right up his alley, he he was okay. He wasn't amazing, and then he won MVP. So it is kind of weird. 
Where like yeah, like my point is like Barry Bonds is gonna fucking smack the shit out of it, no matter uh, what. Right, right, yeah, right. like no matter who's telling him if he's batting first or eighteenth, he's gonna fucking beat some shit. Um, soccer probably similar. Like I think there's some schemes and obviously putting positions in a player to like that's the goal of any coach in any sport, powerlifting or otherwise. You put put the player in the best position to succeed at what they do or what they're good at. Yeah, but yeah, the variables are slightly less. You know, what Barry play? Right, right outfield? Left. You put him in right, he's probably going to do okay. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, you know, like he, he's still going to catch some shit. Yeah, depending. Yeah. Like, uh, later in his career, he didn't really have the wheels, um, which showed in the fact that his, yeah. his steals went down. He's going to rip a hammy off from all the, the steroids. The, the, uh, um, the park that he played in has a giant right field. So, AT&T, what's it called now? Uh... Oracle. Everything's Oracle? What's, uh, what's every, the basketball? Everything's Oracle. Basketball's Oracle? Yeah. That's crazy. That's got to yeah. be unique. Yeah. I don't know. Is Larry Ellison still in charge of Oracle? I don't know. but uh, I feel like most stadiums are like next to each other or even the same city. They don't have the same sponsor. Yeah. Right? Um, Typically not. Yeah. Because that's got to be insane amounts of money. <laughs> it's not cheap. They're all like big names. No, no. Wait a minute. The new the new basketball arena is City. I think. Oh, maybe. I think oh, it's City. City. Yeah, because it was Oracle. Was Oracle a year and, ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now I think it's City. That's crazy. And it's actually in the city now, so that makes sense as well. That does. But it's Citibank CITI. CITI. No? Yeah. Is is that West Coast? Because ours is what Golden One, but that's only West Coast or like even NorCal, right? Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. It's yeah. It's a. Um, Started off as a state employees, I think. Oh, the like credit union. Yeah, I went to the first game ever played at Oracle Baseball Stadium because it was Pac Bell. Oh right, yeah. And it was dad. dad oh right, dad worked yeah, for yeah, Pac yeah. Bell. Yeah, yeah, technically, yeah. like we had all these phones we'd get all the time. I had like the first phone ever made whenever it came out. Like my dad had an iPhone like a year before the iPhones came out. Oh yeah, I don't know were... why. Just because he was management exec, uh, not exec, but you know, like something. His... They're, yeah, they were AT and T exclusive, right? And they came out. Yeah, we got a we got a a, a, a plug in phone. I don't even know what they're called now. A regular phone, home phone, uh, <laughs> a landline. Yeah, we had a landline or phone, matrix hardline. Yeah, we had a hardline. Yes, it was sick. Uh, I should still find it. One is a basketball, and then when someone calls, the basketball peels away, and it's the Chicago Bulls stadium. Oh my god! And it starts like ringing like Michael Jordan shit, and then we had one that was uh, Pac Bell Stadium. So it's that's like probably worth a thousand bucks. No, it's probably sick. Yes, I'm sure it's in my mom's attic somewhere. More than that, maybe. Yeah, we had all we have an Incredibles one that's actually really sick. Now you think about it, uh, it's literally like the Incredibles the movie, like and it's huge. Like it looks like a movie prop, but it's a real phone. We need that for the set. The I'll I'll find it. Awesome, mom. We definitely have the Incredibles one. Probably the Jordan. I don't know where the Pac Bell one maybe ended up, but I remember going to that stadium because I don't think, I don't think me and my dad went to Candlestick. I went to Candlestick once by myself, or not I by myself. I went friends. a bunch of times. Yeah. yeah, and it was cool. I saw the Niners. Uh, it was like yeah. the Jerry Rice era. That was really cool. I mean, like fourth I saw grade the Niner playoff game there. Yeah, that's sick. But I don't think I saw the Giants there. I did see the Giants there a bunch of times. And then we went to the A's a lot because Dad yeah. was an Indians fan, and they really played the A's way more, obviously. So we went there a lot. But Pac Bell, like, it is really fucking cool to be on the water. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. S- same with, uh, um, what, PNC? 
in Pittsburgh. Oh, never just been. also just right on the water. I haven't been there either. My yeah. wife has, but yeah, she toured it. She didn't see a game, but yeah. I'm surprised we didn't try to throw our baseball stadium. It's technically like on the water. It's close. It's a I rock know. throws. You know yeah. what I mean? You could have done something real cool. Yeah. If they wanted to. And it was all land at the time. Now it's houses. But yeah. they could have like propped that thing into the water. They could have moved everything like 100 yards this way. Yeah. And, yeah. It would have been cool. So we have we have the Giants AAA team here, right? It's still them. Yeah, yeah. Just recently purchased by the Sacramento Kings. Oh, yeah. I think you told me. <clears throat> you saw Barry was here. Yeah, Barry was here at yeah. the end of the season. I uh, No, right now. Oh. Uh, like a week ago. Yeah, yeah, oh, as end of their season. Yeah, gotcha, end of their gotcha, season. Gotcha, 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 yeah, yeah. Gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. And he uh, hung out with the Sack Kings, and then he went there and threw the first pitch, I think. And I f- I'm sure they all fucking loved that. No, I, I just saw interviews of the Kings players, which I was actually kind of surprised, because like, now I feel old, right? But like some of our Kings, our Kings are pretty young. Yeah. They're like 22. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even really watch Bonds that much, yeah. you know what I mean? And these guys were like, dude, I was in shock. And I was like, were you? Like... Like obviously he he is kind of a Michael Jordan esque of baseball, and mm. besides like a little bit of the tainted past, but um, yeah, these kids were all in shock. I'm like, damn, yeah, it's kind of crazy. Well, it is did, cool that he came up here. They did a good, they did a better job of covering up Michael Jordan's taint than they did yeah. <laughs> Barry's. When honestly, you, yeah, all the conspiracies there are interesting. You just don't know, you know, because like yeah. I I do wonder how bad it was because other people were getting like jail time and fucked up and on the news, so like. Was he just not that bad and he was in control? Like, he could have been an alcohol uh, alcoholic, but been in control in a sense, right? We didn't actually cause trouble. Or, yeah, did he have that good of people around him that they really did cover his shit up? Because there was other big-name players that were getting... Allen Iverson, poor guy. Yeah. Allen Iverson, obviously, he's not on quite the level of Jordan, but he's iconic as fuck and good as hell, and he's getting in trouble left and right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So is it... Or was Jordan more just professional? I, I I mean and hit it. <laughs> this is this is purely speculation, but it's always been said that it was gambling, yeah, and alcoholism and alcoholism, and yeah. So he, yeah. But then the, I've also heard, and obviously, this is a counter just argument is just that like he would never like none of it was to an extreme, and I don't know the exact definition of addiction or whatever, right? Like, I guess when it causes issues in your real life, that's mm-hmm. kind of like the loose definition I use. But um, that he wasn't betting stuff he didn't have. You know right. what I mean, type of thing, and then and then like the big conspiracy is the flu game, where supposedly he had the flu, and even in the documentary uh, Last Dance, he said he ate a bad pizza or something, and he's throwing up, and he scores thirty eight or whatever. Uh, that he was actually just hung over. Uh, yeah, that, <laughs> uh, that, in another game sense, too. Yeah. yeah, that he like ran off to uh, Atlantic City with his dad or something to clear his mind, um, which sounds like all true too, you know, and like. If there's people like that, like I've had teammates like that, you know, that like ate like shit, ran, like, mm-hmm. we have lifters are like that, eat like shit, sleep like shit, chug beer, and they're still the best in the world. Like, yeah. So maybe he just kind of had some of those genetics in him. The, the only good thing I would say, and obviously I'm a Jordan fan, so it's kind of hard, you know, biased, but like it, it seemed like he wasn't harmful. You know what I mean? It's not like he's like s- selling his wife's car and, and beating people up. No, and no. I mean, into it, some mob shit or I, I whatever. Think, I think as far as, uh, as, teammates and other teams are concerned it's just his intensity around about being competitive yeah and everywhere yeah there's a recent interview not recent bad take uh a recent interview i saw uh of kobe talking about business that way and even in the last dance i think kobe and jordan obviously are compared a lot in terms of skill and mentality kobe um i think says once that uh or jordan maybe said it about kobe that um kobe's only competitive in basketball and Jordan wants to fucking win everything. Yeah. Jordan has a, a water bottle and he wants to beat you in the drink of the water bottle kind of thing. Like he's just 
insane where Kobe's like only like that with basketball and that's kind of where their relations end but Kobe in this interview was talking about how he personally um feels the exact same with business someone's like oh would you you know want to go back and play basketball again and be all competitive or do business like you are now he's like I already did the basketball thing like uh, business is the same to me I research it the same I prep the same I execute the same oh damn the thing that always gets me about about a retired athlete of that caliber is like what if what does it feel like to know you're just not going to do that thing again on that level yeah well I mean and and like yeah what does drive you maybe don't do it at all period like maybe never touch a basketball again that's kind of where I am and obviously I'm nowhere even near their caliber but like when I kind of hung up my shoes I kind of hung up my shoes yeah you know I was just kind of done with it I I don't watch it I I watched it four hours a day I was watching it I was reading stats I was watching shit and now I I try to pay attention because I still enjoy it and I watch highlights on my Instagram or something. But yeah, it's such a different chapter in my life. I do wonder with guys like Kobe and Jordan, and it's easy to say because they were in such the spotlight, but that doesn't mean that they hunted the spotlight because they were no. clearly the best. Yeah. And so if you're clearly the best, and this documentary we're diving into today, The Redeem Team, um, kind of shows this side of Kobe, which I actually relate to in some senses, although all of you out there are going to disagree. Uh, that that the spotlight just like kind of came onto him because he loves to be good at basketball mm-hmm. and he works his fucking tits off. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously it was a different era, so he's not on Snapchat and Instagram. And so you can't really tell if he loves that or mm-hmm. not, but he might get the same fulfillment from business as he did basketball. So he might, meaning that he just wants to win for him, not win for the world. Yeah, and what he ended up doing, I think Body Armor. I don't know if it's when he passed or just after. Like sold for three billion or something. Oh yeah, uh, Buster Posey made Part a shit ton so of Kobe. money. Off I of think that. Kobe's wife ended up with a billion from that or something yeah, crazy. So. Yeah, don't so. don't quote my numbers. Fifty percent facts, but, but she ain't. Uh, but she ain't backing off anything that she thinks they are owed. Yeah, at this point. Yeah, like she's not sitting on. Oh, I'm. I got a billion dollars. Yeah, I don't care. And even that maybe is some of the, his competitiveness too, right? Like it's like, it, rather than it could be selfish, maybe, yeah. but it could also just be like, no, like my husband worked <clears> this, <throat> yeah. You know, so he, we, yeah, he put five hundred million into Body Armor. I'm going to get what he worked for, yeah. Uh, whether it's for her kids or just for his honor, or and maybe selfish. I don't know any of them personally. You never do. Um, and that was actually my favorite part. Not to harsh segue into the movie, but. Um, to kind of show the personality of like Kobe and the guys. Yeah, yeah. That was kind of the best thing. And that's why I told you yesterday, you watched it, I assumed. Yeah, I watched it last time. I told you, I was like, uh, I, I was like, I think you might like this because I know you're not like the biggest basketball fan. You like basketball, but um, it doesn't really like talk basketball. It does. Yeah. But a lot of it's about like teamwork shit. Coach K, I told you about who I've basically yeah. been loosely raised on. My mentor, Dean Stark, my, my first basketball coach and who I coached with um, was a huge Coach K fan. So a lot of his stuff kind of trickled mm-hmm. down to that. John Wooden's another one that's kind of in that same ballpark of, um, lack of a better term, like a very holistic approach to coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, they care a lot more than X's and O's. Mm-hmm. They, they really talk to you like you're humans. And, you, and what's cool about this is you see clips of Coach K like that. Yeah, um, He gets intense in games and stuff, but you see him in the locker room and he's just like, he's kind of got like an annoying voice really, not to be mean. Uh but but like he still gets his message so across, and he can say things insanely calmly that still feel intense in a way. You know, he's just talking, but you're like, oh, dude, I kind of feel this guy. And he's just like a random ass, you know, yeah, little dude from like Jersey, I think, or Pennsylvania. Well, I found the the thing I was looking for, or at least a thing that I was looking for about uh, coaches and managers. Uh, it's a study by University of Chicago, 
<clears throat> excuse me, MLB managers affect runs scored, runs allowed, run differential, and victories. They have a greater impact on runs allowed versus runs scored. So th- these are things that managers actually do affect. Uh, and obviously that can affect winning. Uh, NBA coaches affect points allowed and point, the point margin. They significantly affect the number of fumbles and penalties a team commits. Coaches matter more in college football than in the pros. They significantly affect points scored, points allowed, point differential, and victories based on those the you know who they put in, right? Interesting. Uh, coaches are highly significant in both the NBA and Division One college basketball outcomes, influencing points scored, points allowed, point differential, and victories. NHL coaches matter, although they matter much more for goals allowed than goals scored. They didn't compare basketball uh, pro and D1, though, really. They kind of threw them together. Uh, yeah, they threw them together. So I, well, probably because they kind of track. Yeah, there the, goes my which, hypothesis. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, well, obviously, this is it one may. study, so yeah, who yeah. knows? It may be. But uh, uh, we'll take just a short break here and uh, we'll pick it up with the Redeem team. We were talking about Coach K, and as I'm watching it, I, I completely forgotten about his army background that he was yeah. a, a you know a West Pointer, and um, my uh, my late best friend, he, his dad was a uh, an, an army colonel. And commanded bases and and stuff, and uh, then he went on to be a colonel in the in the air guard, and he was a huge Coach K guy. Oh. But he he passed right like right before this, right? Yeah, Coach K's like talk the, uh, back to my hypothesis just to prove I'm <laughs> right. Uh, Coach K's uh, been like coaching for like eighty years. Yeah, he's been coaching forever, and yeah, I, yeah. and only at like Duke, you know. So like in like the Duke establishment is him. You know, like there's no, there's no way. Sure. Once you get the ball rolling. Yeah. All the best players want to play there because of the history a little bit, even though that's changing over time with TV and stuff. Like back in the day, Duke's the only one on TV because they're the only one winning. Mm -hmm. So now you're going to go there. But now, you know, Western Northern Dakota state is probably getting some TV time. So if you're good enough, you want to go there too. Um, But all that's because of Coach K. Yeah. Right. Where like in the NBA, it's never that way. Like the Lakers history. Why do you want to go to Lakers? Well, because Magic Johnson played there and Kobe Bryant played there. Yeah. Not because Phil Jackson was kind of there for five years. Yeah. Um. And so it's just like the culture of it's also different. But I think a lot of the really good coaches like that. I don't know if John Wooden had a, a military background, but all like the I've read a couple of his books and I've watched documentaries, et cetera, and know his coaching philosophies in some sense and kind of that holistic approach. Which in my brain, again, I've never been, I've never served, so I don't know. But what I hear or see about a lot of our, mili- our military stuff is not very holistic. Yeah. Um, so maybe maybe that forced them to learn that way. Again, like Coach K, just like truly seems to care about the individual and how how they fit into a team and leading with the team and selflessness, rather than some other coaches might just go like team, team, team or individual, like my star player, my star player, my star player. But like that never works. You kind of have to see the picture and then place the puzzle, but then still care about the puzzle piece. Otherwise it, it, it never like you need your 10th man to buy in yeah. in any sport. And that's really hard to do, but coach K and, and some people seem to do it well. I think that um, he took an interesting approach in that some kind of what you're saying, some, coaches of a USA Olympic team, a, a team that's representing the country might have been very team focused yeah. and, you know, just kind of, uh, we're just better than everybody. Fuck everybody else. Yeah. More nonchalant probably too, because of that. Or 
uh, right, yeah, or an intensely patriotic, you know, country flag government kind of, you know, yeah. what nationalist nationalist kind of view, like a lot of other countries would probably yeah. do. Yeah. His approach was trying to get them to identify with the people, the other people who represent the United States on a world stage. And a lot of it was military, obviously, yeah. but I don't think 100% of it was. But connect with, with them individually, not, you know, somewhat based on their accomplishments, someone, somewhat based on just who they were yeah. that led them to those accomplishments. And yeah. I think that probably resonated more than any other approach you could have taken and yeah. probably pulled them together more. Um, I think the point you're making about 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 Kobe and his relationship to them, everybody else that they uh, they actually make the statement that this was sort of this this was the next iteration of Kobe. Yeah. This is like when Kobe re- really redeemed himself, not not on the court, yeah. but at, among other players. Like he rose in everybody's estimation as a person, whereas he was always always on a high level as a player, right. And yeah. he, he came into it with kind of a negative reputation. Yeah, this era is what made me not a Kobe fan. And now in hindsight, it's easy, right, because of the tragic story and right. because of how great he was on the skill. But um, I was a Shaq fan. I was obviously yeah. kind of a Kings fan. I've never been a diehard Kings fan, but I yeah. grew up here, so I'm a Kings-ish fan. And that rivalry doesn't make you stoked. No. Um, and I like Kobe's style of play, but early on they were talking about him versus Jordan, and I grew up in the Jordan era, so I'm yeah. like, I'm a Jordan guy, so I don't like Kobe. And then... Um, I don't think the media did it as well, and probably rightfully so. Talk about him kind of being a black sheep. This yeah. documentary does it a lot, and that's kind of where I relate to. Where like, e- even though at my school I was lucky enough to be on the basketball team with my absolute best friends, like uh-huh. all of them, right? They're literally on my team. I still always kind of like felt isolated in a way, and I kind of just do in, in the world in some senses. And so I related to Kobe on that, where like I'm about the team, but for some reason I, I'm just like this. My puzzle piece doesn't fit perfectly kind of vibe. And uh, the NBA never really did that or told that story about Kobe. I mean, the NBA, if you look at it, yeah, it's a basketball league, but it's one of the best marketing companies in the world. Correct. Right? Yeah. They like they, they they build up these stories, and I think we talked about a little bit with powerlifting and stuff. Like that's mm-hmm. why the NBA is so good. It's so and so versus so and so. So and so's mean, and so and so's nice, mm-hmm. and so and so's this, and so and so's that. And it's Kobe versus LeBron, and now it's LeBron versus Kevin Durant. Now it's Steph Curry versus LeBron, and it's always these battles, and, and the marketing behind it's so so good. Um, I don't think the marketing would look good if you call Kobe the black sheep. They kind of maybe turned up his bad guy sense a little bit when mm. when this was going down, but he was still Kobe, the best in the league, mm. and that's the story they focused on rather than or, or like Kobe, the hard worker. Uh, he'll get on his teammates that kind of vibe rather than he literally has no friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a heel turn kind of yeah, kind yeah. of deal. Yeah, yeah they, yeah. they kind of made him a heel, but they would never say like, oh, he's got no friends. Right. And, and I think LeBron or some of the guys were the first one to say that in this documentary. Like, yeah, Kobe doesn't really like have NBA friends. Yeah. I'm like, oh, interesting. And I do think the social media, and actually I know for a fact the Redeem team um, kind of changed a lot of stuff in the NBA business. Where obviously LeBron James went from Cleveland to Miami based on his friendship with Dwayne Wade and obviously the chance to win, but kind of like all these players taking uh, lower salary cuts and stuff mm-hmm. like that to build up a team to like these super teams is mm-hmm. kind of a new thing. And that all started in this era. And they don't really touch on it in there because mm-hmm. it's probably bad marketing for the NBA as well. I don't think they <laughs> enjoy that concept 
talking about the players running the league. Um, but because of social media, because of this team that yeah. were all young guys, became friends, and then wanted to play together, uh, it kind of changed the, the, the entire tr- trade market of, of the NBA in a sense. I actually didn't look at who um, who actually made this thing. I normally do. Yeah, it was Netflix produced, yeah. Or fundied. I don't know either. The Doug Collins ripples really good in it too. Um, Doug Collins coached Kobe or uh, Jordan for his first couple years in Chicago. Yeah. He coached the 76ers and a lot of teams in the league and obviously played in the league. Um, maybe you know better than I. The whole amateur pro thing in the Olympics still confuses me. Uh, they made an exception. But but uh, and and it they changed it changed, but that was our rule. We made that rule, we not the Olympics. We made that rule, yeah. Right, but boxing, it's the Olympic rule. Boxing is the Olympic rule, yeah. That all they're all amateurs. They're all amateurs. Basketball, U.S. We handicapped ourselves, and then every other sports pro. Um, quote unquote. I think tennis is pro, right? Uh, Golf. I don't think soccer is. Maybe it is. Soccer, no, no, it is. I soccer's mean, rule, uh, even though it might not be in the Olympics anymore, right? Shit's getting weird. I think it's not. I don't uh, know. It's so confusing. The soccer rule I actually kind of like, and I think it was something like 90% of your team had to be under the age of 25, and then oh. you get a couple guys, veterans. Okay. That makes so sense. So it's like half and half. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. But they could technically be all pros. Yeah. Especially in soccer, right? Like guys are going pro at 16. Yeah. And then the whole extra ripple nowadays in this is that, um, like, what is a pro considered now right because you can get you can get a contract in nc2a for nike correct lebron's kid just got signed to nike yesterday because because things changed yeah because it was that whole antitrust thing about like you can't keep them from yeah making the moolah and using their likeliness yeah no that yeah the teams acted as though um they owned them own yeah. the athletes as intellectual property, yeah. and uh, and could put them in a game and make any money off of, you yeah. know any, any video jerseys, games, sell whatever. jerseys, whatever, whatever, yeah. whatever, and that was ruled um, to not be a thing. Yeah, so now they can accept <clears throat> any contract, sponsorships, etc. Plus the whole trade rule, at least in basketball. I don't know about other ones. They're not trade rule, but transfer rule. You used to have to take years off if you're transferring up or down divisions and all yeah. this weird stuff. Now you don't have to do that because of COVID, and that's sticking around. Like it's, it, it seems like little rules, but stuff has changed a ton, and that kind of goes back to what I was saying where um, Duke will always have a legacy, and they still have Coach K, blah, 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 but um, kids can kind of play anywhere and still get to the league. They can kind of play anywhere and still get paid. Yeah, It is kind of like the uh, – Maybe this is just a weird connection to my head, and it doesn't make sense. But like the uh, like weeds legal, but people who sold dime bags in two thousand five are still in jail. Uh, that's like happened in the NC two A. I think uh, Louisville's coach, kind of in my era, high school is what I mean by that. When I was playing basketball, uh, got caught for taking cash by Adidas. Oh, and yeah, he yeah. was sending his players that went pro to Adidas, which I actually don't think is that bad of a, <laughs> a crime, in my opinion. Right? It's like, no. right? Like that's like me paying you. I'm like, hey, Jim, when Seabass, you know, hits national level powerlifter, make sure he's wearing uh, good company, cool. And you're like, yeah, I'll take a hundred bucks for that. Cool, hundred percent sure that happened. No, yeah, that's what happened with Louisville. And so, but I think dude got lost his career and whatever. And I don't even know, like Adidas maybe gets fined for that, but the individual gets fucked for that. I think that's fucked up. 
Like, it's a no-brainer for him to say, yeah, like, why isn't Adidas getting in more trouble? Yeah, well, I mean, it all comes down to to making money off of exclusivity. That's, yeah. you know. So the answer to your question is it wasn't until the 1980s that the rules began to shift. Uh, in October of 86, IOC, International Olympic Committee, <clears throat> excuse me, decided to officially loosen its amateurism policy for pro athletes by allowing international federations of the participating sports to decide whether to allow professional athletes to compete. Uh, but it was a, f- a formality at that point as plenty of major league sports had already been relaxing eligibility rules. Uh, because it was decided on a sport-by-sport basis, not all professional athletes were given the green light at the same time as others. The IOC, International and National Sports Federations, chiefly all had to sign off before they could compete in the Olympics. However, sport-by-sport changes started taking place. The floodgates for allowing professionals to compete in the Olympics began to open in 1984. That year, the International Soccer Federation eased its rules regarding World Cup players competing at the Olympics. The International Tennis Federation began allowing pros under the age of 20 to compete in the, at the Games. And U.S. United States Tennis Association gave the thumbs up for pros to compete in the Olympics regardless of age. This began a gradual shift towards uh, pros, allowing pros in the... In the uh, I wonder when the amateur thing even started because, like, obviously you go to fucking Greco-Roman shit. Like, it was just the strongest, fastest dudes would go and compete against the strongest, fastest dudes. Yeah. And then the other issue, or not issue, but the other ripple in this whole thing is, like... When was basketball invented? Like nineteen to twenty-three or some shit. It was earlier than that. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, they, they they didn't even have professional leagues around the world. So like the you know what I mean? So like we're throwing amateur because we have the NBA and the ABA in the fifties, sixties, seventies. But like there's probably no, you know, Ecuadorian professional basketball league in the fifties. So of course all their guys are just named just amateurs. Guys. Yeah, yeah, they're just yeah, they're just, just guys. It's the men's club. Yeah, guys are pretty good at basketball, yeah. kind of. And yeah. probably even here, like I, I'm sure we had some kind of soccer league in the 50s, 60s, 70s. It wasn't the MLS. Even yeah. now, MLS is you know questionable. Yeah, on the international stage, it's so weird. World Cup starting soon, so I know that's kind of exciting. That's true. Um, yeah, that gets me going. This is. 1891. 1891 basketball, Mr. Nismith. Um, Doc, Doc from Boston. Uh, 1988 Seoul Summer Games tennis was open to all professionals, and then obviously 92 was the beginning of professional basketball players. Yeah, yeah. And hockey was 98 for pros. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Because what's the other movie? Miracle. That's kind of a good movie too. That's an awesome movie. I'm just tied into sports, man. I cried during the Redeem Team like three times. I didn't cry. The whole I I just at the end I got a little bit emotional. Yeah, like the army stuff goes crazy. The the Kobe friendship stuff goes crazy for me. Doug Collins' uh, story about yeah. Kobe goes crazy for me. All that kind of the, stuff. The Kobe stuff uh, hits different, obviously, because Kobe's gone. And yeah. and regardless of any darkness that might have been in Kobe's life, yeah. It really seems like he redeemed so much of that stuff. Yeah, it can't be that dark if all his homies are like not even the homies, but like the industry, like well, all the the, the 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 bridge. Like it's from it's from fandom. Yeah, Kobe scores eighty one points. Fandom all the way to homies, all see him in some yeah. kind of light. You know what I mean? Like that middle ground somewhere would still be talking shit. Yeah, you know, like the, like the the whole rape trial thing was not a was not a positive for Kobe. For sure, Kobe, not. obviously. Yeah. But all that just is, is you know, everywhere in celebrityhood. 
And you know, it's some of his reputation um, is a little similar to Bonds because Bonds was just not the easiest type guy to get along with. Right. Uh, he's different now. Obviously, he's yeah. not. You know, he's not com- not competing anymore. He's a good follow on Instagram. I think um, people said the same about Kobe because he started doing a bunch of podcasts and stuff as soon as he retired, and like everyone's homies with him all of a sudden. Yeah, and uh, professional athletes celebrities people social media celebrities whatever a lot of the time when they achieve success that other people start to acknowledge or or can't help but acknowledge people look to them and say well what did they do what was it about them how can i be like that whatever whatever and oftentimes what comes up is very retrospective and kind of bullshit. Yeah, for sure. You, you see look it back and light, say, well, yeah. they did this and they did this and that. I mean, well, they didn't know when they did those things that they were going right. to turn out like that. They could have turned out badly, you know, just yeah. as easily as they as they succeeded. For every billionaire <clears throat> that wakes up at 4 a.m. and hops in a sauna, there's yeah. a million people in bankruptcy that wake up at 4 a.m. hopping in a sauna think it's going to help. Yeah, people <laughs> get caught up because of what they're fed. Yeah. That these individual activities, right. their acts... Um, are the things that cause the success right. as opposed to this person is just good at, at X, Y, or Z. Yeah. Are there trends? Maybe. And would it help you like set a trigger in you if you wake up at 4 a.m. to be more productive? Maybe. Maybe. But it's definitely not guaranteed. Yeah. And Kobe seemed to me, even before he died, to be more authentically good at the way he inserted himself into things he's a fucking he's a literal machine that's kind of the difference too between jordan like everyone people talk about jordan's work ethic and stuff i don't know if we covered it here the jordan baseball uh we have not yet it's pretty good uh there's two of them but there's one that's pretty good on netflix because now when you look at uh, jordan's baseball career most people just say like oh he wasn't even a pro he only got there because of his name kind of deal and this one kind of argues it and and talks to his you know his his uh, single A coaches uh-huh. and talks to some of the baseball coaches and uh, it's pretty interesting you know some of the batting coaches from the Barons that that they interviewed they're like dude give this guy another year and what he's doing is insane I couldn't get him out of the batting cage like he's in the batting cage more than any pro I've ever seen like this dude's work ethic's legit and for him to even sit on like sure his numbers were bad for single or double A baseball mm-hmm. but they're like. Bro, he's been playing basketball for the last 20 years. You know, like what he did was actually insane. Hitting is about like a couple of things. One of them is vision. Just being your the ability to see the ball yeah. as it moves towards you. And the other one is is reflex. And it's, you know, it's not just swing, but swing where. Yeah. And just to make we you would have a difficult time making an argument that he wouldn't have the the basic pieces to make that work out. Yeah. No, and he did. Like, like his coaches were ranting and raving about his work ethic and like his athleticism and what he's actually accomplishing, and, and everyone just downplays it. And obviously, there were other guys that did it way better. There's the yeah. Deion Sanders and the the Bo Jacks that that played in the majors, but still, it's pretty insane. Um, I don't know where I was heading with that. Oh, the work ethic of like Kobe and yeah. shit. There's just many people that work like that that aren't good. Like, yeah, he kind of had all the pieces, um, but the main story is obviously the redeem team and winning. Um, and there's like sprinkles of, of the international stuff, which is obviously uh, even more pertinent in the Dream Team documentaries that I've seen. And they talk about the expansion of the sport. Yeah. And it's cool. And they touch on it, but they don't really get into it. Um, that the result of the Dream Team making the sport international in Barcelona is seen in the Redeem Team. 
because the Spanish team and the Argentinian teams that we lost to and played against mm -hmm. had like five pros on each team. Yeah. NBA pros, sorry, like a better term. NBA players. Yeah. All-stars. Pau Gasol is an all-star. Yeah. His brother was an all-star. Manu Ginobili, they talk about an yeah. all-star. Like they have all these pieces. Rudy Fernandez is another one that scorched the fucking uh, NBA team or the uh, Redeem team. Uh, uh, what's his name? Rudy. Fuck. He's literally in the league right now. He's a little bit of a disappointment, but he was like 17 years old and played for Spain. Yeah. Shit on the 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 American Olympic team. Like the result is literally just 15 years later. Now we have pros across the world that are just as good. Mm -hmm. Where in like the 80s, there's what two international players max. Like there's nothing in the NBA. Yeah, it's crazy. Where I think baseball, soccer, a lot of those sports have been international. Like this one just flipped its its head over in fucking five years. What's the um what's the timeline on uh NBA expansions? Like adding teams. I don't I don't know that off the top of my head. I don't either. I do know I think there's supposed to be an announcement this year to guarantee a Vegas and Seattle team though. I think that you're right about yeah. that, but uh if you think about it as the NBA has added teams, it has become even more necessary to to reach out to the international um market of yeah. of basketball players college is doing the same thing you know yeah. st mary's and moraga down here has uh, like a large recruit to the australian teams it's a bunch of aussies in the league now like what's weird to me uh this is 100 percent a sidestep it just popped in my head is that we have i know the nfl and nba have always been like tiptoeing the line of trying to get teams in europe uh -huh. which obviously even logistically is rough with travel and game right, times or whatever right. but we've had teams in canada forever yeah and that kind of weird yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like, you don't think about it because you just think, oh, Toronto Raptors. You just think about it as an NBA team. Right. But it's kind of weird. Yeah. Yeah. And we had the Vancouver team for a while. Obviously, they're not there anymore. But, like, that kind of is weird. Like, we don't have a Mexican, we don't have Mexico City fucking whatever. We should probably. Yeah, we should. I'm, I'm Mexico at... City's fucking populated as fuck. They'd yeah. be down. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't for know. Sure. I, don't, I don't know. It's I don't not know like Toronto's known for a sports town. Yeah. And we don't have, we don't have uh, NFL in. Canada, no, because they have their own football league, which oh, is different. Well, they have something up yeah. there with the football. I, I've, I, I've seen a CFL game. Have you? Uh, yeah, a long, long time ago. Yeah, yeah, I've never seen it. I have buddies that even our buddies here were, we're going to go play there. I, I, I just think the talent, because that's the idea, right? Is you need the, the cream of the crop, yeah, to to make anything really entertaining. You know, like even right. Otherwise, AAA baseball would be just as you know monetarily and visually as exciting. And I can tell you that they do a pretty good job, but no, it's not. And, he, and even that argument uh, is because players go back and forth so much that you see how, you know, yeah. a quarter of the team is is major leaguers yeah. on any given night. Yeah, I think that that's true. Where other sports are trying to do that, I think uh, the NBA Ignite, like the G League is, is, is you know, arguably the, the AAA of the NBA. Um, and now they have a team called the Ignite, which I don't think has a city basis. And it's for a select few that get chosen out of high school to go straight to the G League and skip the college experience. Oh. Because the rule, I think, still stands that you can't go to the NBA until you're like 18 or one mm -hmm. year out of high school. Um, but they have this kind of like invite-only team that will play the other G League, AAA-ish teams, um, which is a cool concept, too. They're co constantly trying to bridge these gaps of talent. I don't know. I've never... I mean, I'm sure I've played some G League guys. 
I got, I got invited to an ABA team. The ABA is still around, if you guys believe that out there. I got invited for a tryout there back in the day. And I played some, like, NBA guys that are, like, rehabbing and stuff. But the gap between, like, each... I can only speak on basketball. The gap between each, like, division and, and school is absolutely absurd. Like, people don't know. Me and Kyle were talking about this the other day because people were saying... You know, people just talk. And I'm like, dude, like, people haven't, like, met freaks. Like, if you've played a fucking freak, you know there's levels to it. Mm-hmm. I was a very good basketball player. And I've met people that I shouldn't even been on the court with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's just levels to it. You know, I was, I was pretty dominant in high school. College, I could hang. But even that's a huge jump. Then I did some pro-am stuff where there's literally NBA guys on ACL, you know, rehab. Mm-hmm. So they're not going super hard. But, you know, just absolute leaps and bounds to this division and i think like powerlifting and like hobbies like that like it's not there you know like yeah like yeah larry wheels is much stronger than me but it's just and you look at him sure he looks much different than i for sure but (laughs) but it's just not like he's you know he's just not like a different species in a sense and we call them freaks and they are you know they're very talented but like if you if you run or move or play against like a literal good nba player it's just so stupid and that's what it is even d1 players going to an nba guy you know and now with social media you can see that like d3 like all american d3 player plays d1 team and he can hang but it's kind of like and then you go d1 in nba guys like it's the cream of the fucking crop at the level of all this stuff yeah or like i saw a, a clip of a like a d2 or d1 uh pitcher go to um, like a carnival and throw against the speed thing. And he threw like 95 or whatever. But I'm like, if he was that goddamn good, he's not a D2 baseball. You know, like his accuracy must not be there. His whatever his pitch, you know. Like, it's Might just, not be very durable. Yeah, there's just you know? so, so many levels to this stuff where the top of the top, a lot of people, and I don't blame them, but you can't comprehend it. Like you can't comprehend how freaky Kobe is. I can't. I can't even. And I was in basketball my whole life. Like yeah. it would probably be so insane to get to that level, let alone that guy's work ethic, which is another big piece of the Not, not only the games, but the practices that they shot. That, I mean, going back to the documentary for, for yeah. a second here, they shot a shit ton of footage all along the way, yeah. you know, back in, in you know, 04, 05, 06, 07, 08, um, that, that shows up here. I actually read that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, they had a producer whose job was all this archival footage. Like that yeah, was his just job. Just go sift because probably two thirds or more of the documentary is this archival footage. Yeah, or, or the post credit stuff. Yeah, I love that shit. Yeah. I don't know why. I just love it. They're joking, or they're yeah. on the airplane, and they're fucking. I love that. Yeah. Um. Back to uh, where was I going? Oh, um, the way Kobe moves and the way they show it. Yeah. You can see, you can see that he is set apart. Yeah, when from, he's six six. Yeah, and he moves like that. Those listening might not even have met a human that's six six. Everyone yeah. says they're fucking six six. Like that's rare in itself. And yeah. then he moves better than I move, and I'm fucking five ten. Yeah, the uh, uh, new American League home run champ, Aaron yeah. Judge. We say American League home run champ because a Yankee. Yes, Yankees. but but. Free agent. Oh, he turned down extension offers from the from the Yankees during the season, so uh, the Giants are going to take a run at him because he's a Bay Area guy. Oh, <clears throat> they're trying to get him come home. Where did he grow up? Fremont, I think. Interesting. 
Something like that. Some, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. East-ish. In, in the Bay, yeah. not far. Yeah. The Bay's cool because there's so many different towns and they're all so <clears throat> different, but they still all kind of, you know, there's, yeah. a, there's a line through them all for sure. But he's 6'7". Uh, yeah, I've seen him. He's the tallest yeah, home run yeah. champ, like, ever, probably. Yeah, a little anomaly like uh, the Usain Bolt conversation. Right, most sprinters are five ten, six yeah. one, six two. A full six seven. Yeah, still smokes them. The, yeah, the, you imagine most hitters are what like fucking big bomb hitters, six one, two twenty yeah. type, Mark McGuire types. Yeah, there's a, a pitcher in the Giants system who uh, came up for a couple cup of co- cups of coffee over the course of this season. Uh, who I think is six nine. Oh shit, he's that's got to be one in a trillion. Yeah, how many yeah. dudes have even been over six six in the MLB? Not that probably not yeah. that many because even a tall quote unquote pitchers. When you think six, about four, the six, angle of the that the pitch is coming yeah, in, yeah. It's, and the levers of your arms, yeah, some of it makes sense. Or first baseman tend to be a little tall. My buddy Lars, who I grew up with, played played on Boston for a while uh, before an injury, but Lars is probably six three, two hundred pounds. Yeah, six ten. Who? Uh, Randy Johnson was six yeah. ten. Yeah, six ten is insane. The, the guy I'm talking about is Jelly H. H J E L L E. That's his first name. That's his last name. Oh, that's a I can't remember his name. first name. And basketball jelly is like, uh, like style or like pizzazz. Like you do a jelly layup, and it's like a fancy layup. Uh, I would love a name like jelly. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Um. Anyway, though, where was I going with that? Oh, oh, just to yeah, like anomalies. To, yeah, to be able to be that athletic at that. Yeah. At that height, because I mean, let's face it: out in the world, really, really tall people are often often very, very awkward. Right. No, I mean, back in the day, it's a little bit different now because the entire athletics have elevated in every sport. But like back in the day, even my day, right, like early two thousands, if you were seven foot, you're getting a D one ride. You could be trash. I played against one or two seven footers that were couldn't tie their shoes, <laughs> and a couple of them got like rides to UCLA based right. on potential. Because right. the amount, uh, like, what's the chances that you're going to find another seven footer? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just so rare. And then you get, yeah, you get guys like that. And then even in the conversation, Carmelo Anthony, and he's like half in jest, uh, where they were talking about Kobe waking up. The whole the whole team goes out for like strip club or something. Uh, and they, coming, they went to a party. Let's yeah, say. they yeah. were up all night because they named the place right. Like yeah. we were supposed to know it. And I was yeah, like, I've I never know heard it. Of it. Yeah. But it sounded like a strip club or something. Um, and they're coming back to the the hotel, it sounds like, at you know, 4 or 5 a.m. And they see Kobe in the elevator. And that dude's going to go to the gym to go lift or work out. And that was kind of like the, one of the, the iconic moments, it sounds, of the documentary. Yeah, everything team turns building. Yeah. on that. Everything turns on that for and sure. And then a couple of the guys start waking up with him. They're like, fuck, he's about it. Um, and I guess that's like the more core route. We keep talking about Kobe being the core of this, but the, the, the core story of uh, of Kobe in this documentary is um, him having no friends. Yeah, and, and, and he slides the, in after they've been playing together for a while too. Yeah, that too. Yeah, I don't know why Kobe didn't do the olympics before that that's a good question i don't have it i didn't i didn't see an answer to that yeah they they mentioned some of the big stars not wanting to come back because of the political stuff with yeah. with 9-11 um but even before that yeah i guess that would be the only year right yeah it was it was um there was kind of a war footing going on in 20 in 2004 yeah that and but, they were they didn't feel like their their security was what it could have been and they ended up being on a um, cruise ship which is exactly exactly what they did with COVID as a matter of, yeah but then like uh, yeah I think you know Kobe was probably invited invited in the year two thousand I'm not sure why he went or didn't go but then yeah Shaq and a couple of these guys Kevin but, Garnett they didn't address it but Shaq was out by the time that Kobe went in yeah yeah I think 
uh, part of that was the political stuff, it sounded like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, I know even just from being a fan, a lot of the players were um, um, – the, the, the risk to reward wasn't there for them. Mm-hmm. They didn't think the Olympics was that challenging, and yeah. they didn't want to waste their off season or like every off season, like Coach K said, like they kind of play together because you have to qualify, mm-hmm. so that's a whole summer. Plus, you have to practice here and there, and there, there's like FIBA, which is the International Basketball League. So you do like I think you do even FIBA World Cup. They have a World Cup of basketball, mm-hmm. and that's on the opposite two years of the World uh, yeah, which Olympics. They, yeah, and if you win that, then you don't have to qualify in in the Olympic qualifying yeah. year. But even in between that, there's like the America the Copa de America which is like the same it's the same as soccer they yeah. basically build it out so there's like you know South America uh, North America they play in like a tournament mm-hmm. then the world tournament so there's like basically three big tournaments that you're playing and if you're on that Olympic cycle um, so I think getting injured and then not having any family time and stuff right because basketball seasons are long they're, yeah. they're September to June if you are really really good right um, and so I imagine Shaq and them wanted off time plus then the drama between Shaq and Kobe yeah um if you were Shaq, would you want to see Kobe rolling into your Olympic team? Uh, when you're on the team? Yeah. No, not not during that period, for sure not. Maybe yeah. post. I think they made friends, you know, 2010, 12, whatever. But I think at that time, it was I think it was pretty high, um, high stakes. Uh, so I understand why some of the top didn't want to go. But yeah, that was the main story. Kobe having no friends, and then LeBron James kind of being the leader to open them up because their personalities meshed but didn't mesh, or, or were opposites but yeah. meshed. Um, the other one was... Um, main storyline, Kobe known as, and even post this, as a Laker, he was known as a very selfish player. And a lot of people kind of put that against him where he could make some plays. And people same said similar critique about Jordan. Um, they both had passing abilities, but didn't want to pass a lot. Um, they were both good defenders, but wouldn't always put their shit on the line. I was even talking to Seabass and Avi about this, about like selflessness and team stuff, trying to relate it to basketball. And you can't always when you don't play basketball, but the best player often is the guy who scores the most. That's just kind of what the world sees and even yeah. the team sees because you're the most skilled with the ball, et cetera, et cetera. And so a big point in this movie, and, and I think they explained it better than I probably could in the movie, but when you see a player doing the hustle plays or the quote-unquote dirty work yeah. as the best player, you know, wanting to get put your body on the line physically, yeah. jumping, diving for loose balls, yeah, kind of doing the, the hustle work that normally you just don't need to do. The team doesn't ask you to do it. Like that's just kind of the the hierarchy of being on a basketball team. Um, Kobe started doing that early in practice mm. and they show clips of him diving over chairs and shit like mm-hmm. that. You wouldn't even see that in a championship game from Kobe sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and then now they're in practice for an Olympic team and this dude's putting his body on the line you see a bunch of the other players' eyebrows kind of uh, yeah. raise. And then the 4 a.m. hotel deal. And they start talking about uh, the whole team start to work out with them in the morning and stuff. And, and stuff like that's special. You know, I've had a couple little things like that in my in my sports career. But, like, there's not really things like that that you can feel in the real world. Like, people can do team bonding stuff and, and you can do all these things. But until you kind of see someone just kind of lead that way or the Pau Gasol incident – so, like, Kobe and Pau Gasol are, are really good friends. Um, and Kobe goes to the team and said, no, man, I'm on Team USA. And the guy's are like, all right, whatever. They know they're going to, you know, he's going to play like his best friend, the only guy he gets along with. And then he tells the guys that he's about to run this dude over first play of the game. And they don't believe him. First play of the game, he just beats the shit out of Pau, takes the foul to send a message to the team that that I'm here for Team USA, that this personal shit doesn't matter. I'm not a Laker today kind yeah. of deal. Um 
And some stuff like that that probably made me cry. Like stuff like that's fucking real, you know. Like I, I, I yeah, I, I, I had to take some moments to think about that. It's like how do you how do you do that? And what I came down to was uh, fighting sports. Yeah, because you you could end up like in an octagon or a ring or whatever with somebody who is your best friend, and your job is still to beat him up. Now yeah. he w- this was a little extra. Yeah. But no, it was definitely but a it, pure message. But yeah, but if I mean, if you're a strong believer in the mental game, then stuff like that matters. Yeah, and he clearly was at that point in that moment. I think the coolest part is that Kobe's been known for his mental game for himself. Yeah, like whether it's shit talk or going head to head with people. There, there's a lot of interviews now. Um, I think one's with J.R. Smith, who's is a pretty good player, not the level of Kobe, but. And uh, I think he talks about like whooping Kobe for three quarters or something, and then the game's like tied. And yeah. Kobe, Kobe comes up to him, and again, this is a sign of Kobe's mental game, or, or like the individual, the individualistic nature of his mental game. And he goes to Jr. and says like, uh, uh, "Good game, man." <laughs> kind of saying like the game's over, and then he just scores like thirty points on him in the fourth quarter. Game's over, you know. Like he actually started trying, kind of deal. Uh, and that's very you know mental game, right? He was going eighty percent and and kept up with his kid, and then goes crazy on him and could do whatever he wants. But the message he sends with the pow stuff and the early workout stuff tends to be more of like a team message, yeah. Which you, and and then again, you you see this guy as this individual <laughs> quote unquote selfish player this kind of me guy and now he's sending these messages for the entire team for an entire nation for a, a group of guys he doesn't even know or i mean he knows but he you know he mm-hmm. just became friends with team mm-hmm. usa kind of deal um yeah it carries a lot of weight the fact that um that they had to change the way they played to uh to meet the fiba rules and that's basically yeah. how they lost in 06, is yeah. that they were not, they, they thought, oh, we can just be, go in and be dominant. It's like, oh, wait yeah. a minute. These other teams from other countries know the game better than we do. Yeah. And the mental gymnastics to play a game that you have that many reps in in a different way yeah. and then switch back to your, you know, your major professional job. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of little shit that I, I, I think. Uh, they talk about the little stuff where like the ball feels different, et cetera. The three point line, I don't mm-hmm. think they mentioned it, but the three point line is more like our college three point line. But I think the bigger thing that they didn't take on more is like, uh, and maybe Kobe did. Somebody mentioned one quote of it, um, but one how long the guys have played together, right. w- which we don't have. But they, you know, every other country in the world basically has like um, like a junior high to pro path. Right. And we don't. We have regular public high schools and whatever. We, we're starting to kind of turn that way. But even Australia has something called AIS, which is like a boarding school for student athletes. And mm-hmm. you go as like a sixth grader. You know, mm-hmm. you leave your family and you're half your day's basketball, half your day or whatever sport, tennis. I think it started as tennis, but now they have basketball, soccer, et cetera. Half the day's academia, half the day's that. Uh, obviously in Europe, you know, Messi m- moved to uh, <laughs> Europe when he was like 14 to be basically become a professional athlete like we don't have stuff like that let alone the olympic path where we 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 do now we have like an under 18 um olympic basketball team etc and so a lot of those guys go but um because the talent's so hard i I don't think a lot of those guys go all the way yeah right because then it gets extra competitive and then you get injured or you don't make it to the nba we're in europe not that it's not competitive but if you're if you're the best player in, in spain at 14 you're you're likely going to be one of the best when you're 18 19 all the way up uh and then the style of play 
uh, in general, not only by the rules, but like how they play was so selfless and almost like I always considered it more like soccer based. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Actually that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Just like how they move the ball, how, how they look out for each other, how they try to set up each other. And that's like what I, I watched a lot of like Argentinian and Spain stuff growing up and Steve Nash, that's what a lot of people credit to his passing abilities is that he was a really good soccer player in Canada growing up. And then his basketball kind of translated to that, like seeing things before it happened kind of deal where especially in the NBA, not necessarily American basketball, but NBA for sure was very individual. Mm. How much, you know, how skilled were you are as an individual, how, how you can get open by yourself as an individual, create your own shot. Um, and it's changed a little bit. Even now, you you could argue that the NBA is a little bit more European than it used to be, which I think is cool uh, that the world influenced our best, and especially in this thing. Yeah, no, for sure. And the way that they, um, it to me, it proves that they're really professional because they could make those adjustments. Yeah, they bought in for sure. Yeah, they could say, okay, so, you know, at the bottom line, I'm a basketball player and I'm going to play basketball uh, the best way I know how for the country, the same yeah. way I would for my team. Yeah, and to me, I do, co- you know, who knows, but I-, I credit all that to Coach K. Like, all the selflessness. I mean, Dwayne Wade at the time was, yeah, arguably the third best player in the entire world. Yeah. And he's coming off the bench. Like, you could say, like, that's cool. He he understands Kobe's better. Like, no, bro, it doesn't work that way. We're still dealing with humans. Yeah. Like, your ego's still there. Your feelings are still there. His feelings definitely hurt. And he talks about it a little bit, not mm-hmm. a ton. And they talk about the newspaper clippings and yeah. shit that Coach K would throw at him. I love yeah. that shit. Uh, but um, you're dealing with, yeah, again, the, the, the idea of of the holistic approach to handle the individuals, to get them to buy into the puzzle, to get the puzzle to buy into a bigger meaning, to be a part of something bigger than yourself, to have a common enemy, mm-hmm. to have a common goal, yet still care about the individual um, and have them ready emotionally and physically for when the time may or may not come. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's much more difficult than it sounds. And I think that the kind of motivational stuff you're, you're talking about yeah. with, with, with coach K that stuff you're, you're playing with fire a little bit. Like, you know, sure. to what extent you're firing people up and to what extent you're making them like angry in a negative and non-productive way. You could do that same thing to uh, another player of the same caliber and it could shut them down. Yeah. They you could need, suck. You need to know what you're working with. Before 100%. You, yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, the essence of coaching is understanding your athlete. Yeah, 1 billion percent. And that's so hard. Yeah, that's the, the individual holistic stuff to it. It's, it's way harder than you guys think. Because you could think someone gets fired up by negative, by how they act or talk or whatever, mm. but do they truly? Like, you're kind of a psychologist. Yeah. You have to really know what's going on in their little brain rather than what they're putting out there. Um, and it's very difficult. Because, yeah, I assume that same thing. Notice they didn't talk about uh, giving any of those clippings to LeBron. No. Maybe he doesn't, you know, maybe Coach K doesn't, you know, or, or does know that he doesn't work that way. Um, it's, it's so difficult. And I think it's some of it's taken for granted. The same with like a good boss or a good manager. It's it's much more difficult than I think the world understands. And I wonder if um, there was a lot of Coach K talking to uh, the NBA coaches that these guys deal with and say, Tell, give me some insight, like yeah. what works, what doesn't work. And because there shouldn't be any, there shouldn't be any um, competition there, right? Right. I mean, no, the, no. the coaches should be able to to cooperate with each other. No. And Coach K had has had such a reputation. Yeah, yeah. I wonder though, the <clears throat> big move on that too, where Coach, because I think before him it was Daly that coached the Dream Team, and he was the coach of the Pistons, NBA coach. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the move looks like to grab a college coach to do the Olympic team. 
after we've already gone pro? I think it's probably the universal respect for yeah. for Coach K. Yeah, there's I, very little negative for sure. I, I would imagine that that was it. Personality. I mean, Colangelo made the decision. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how that goes. It is interesting, and it's obviously worked out beautifully. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. I think he did maybe two or three Olympics. I might be wrong. Um, I think Doug Collins maybe even coached some of the Olympics. Because there, there's a lot of coaches that are kind of universally loved. Doug Collins is one of those guys, and they, they mention his story because I think he was the only other team to lose in the Olympics as an amateur because mm-hmm. uh, he ended up playing pro, and then he was a coach in the NBA. He had, he had a decent NBA career himself, but he had a really good coaching career for a long time, and now he's been an analyst for... ESPN or somebody for a very long time, yeah. but he seems like another one that's been very universally loved by a lot of people. Um, it is, I don't know. It just when you dig into like the personalities of, of how this world works and how a successful machine works interests me a lot because my mentor, Dean Stark, again, like was, he's so good at it. Just like coach K. Yeah. He's so good at it. And, 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 and at my school, you could argue is a little bit easier sometimes because um, the talent level was so spread where you just kind of knew who the best five were. So, like, the next five couldn't really complain. Like, oh, why is Mike playing so much? Like, Mike's clearly better than you. You know, Mm -hmm. like, that's just kind of how it goes, where you go to a Duke or or an Olympic team, and you're like, why is Kobe playing so much over Dwayne Wade? Like, Dwayne Wade's really fucking good. Um, And you can't make that argument as much, right? There's Mm -hmm. much more blurred lines, and then you get the egos involved, and then uh, with kids, you get the parents involved. and You know, Mm -hmm. like, it it gets really complicated. Um, And even at the D1, right, like, scholarship kids might not always get the most minutes because maybe they don't fit the system as well or personality or whatever but for coach k to make that all mesh like a perfect recipe is is uh, i think highly highly underrated i think that and i don't i don't know this but i think that an an approach that works is you know semantically we use the expression uh role player Yeah, yeah to talk about someone who is a little bit more of a of you know a little bit more of a journeyman someone a little you more of a utility type player yep. <clears throat> but if you can make the point that everyone's a role player yeah that's definitely what he did with like this olympic team yeah yeah like everyone's a role player everyone's got uh, a particular thing to contribute and as long as you are there making your contribution, you're just as valuable as everybody else. Yeah, we, we, we use that term a lot when I coached and played is just do your job. Yeah. Know what your job is and do your job. Like, uh, Kyle, your job isn't to shoot threes right now. Your job is to rebound. Yeah. Do your job. This guy shoots threes. Let that guy shoot threes. Do your yeah. job. Yeah. Yeah, and it is simple. Yeah, you're right. A lot of it is how you frame it. Uh, and a lot of it's culturally, too, and, and the sport in general. Like, scoring is the coolest. So then we automatically make scoring the most important. Mm-hmm. But as we know, if anyone's played any real sports, it's, it's just as important to play defense. Yeah. Because yeah. you could score all the points you want, but if they're scoring all the points you lose, right, it's just as important to, to, to get a rebound. It's another possession. Like they're, they're, It's really hard to within – and that's like maybe why I even stepped away from sports even more because I analyzed the living fuck out of basketball growing up. And so like it almost pisses me off to – hear people talk about basketball in a sense yeah uh, in almost like a pretentious way for me just because i'm like ah like you're just wrong like that's just not how it goes you know what i mean because and 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 that's not fair for me to judge them either because they just haven't had the same experiences i've had or whatever analyze it's the same with lifting right like we we both probably get a little perturbed when we hear like a newbie talk about a certain thing we're like yeah man like your grip on bench doesn't matter that much what what the fuck are you talking about it doesn't work that way or you know that people just frame things a weird way and it's just from lack of experience it's not from uh, a thing, but it does get annoying when you've 
lived this so long and so much. So I think I detached myself uh, from that world. But it's the same idea. Yeah, the world likes Kobe because he fucking dunks hard. Yeah. And circling back to something you were saying about Kobe being um, uh, known as a as a selfish player, uh, I can say from experience, sometimes I just do things myself because it's easier to know that it's done when I do it myself. Sure. And, and part of that comes down to trusting other people and for him, trouble, trusting trusting teammates, yeah. trusting coaching, trusting scheme, and he's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to sacrifice any of what I can accomplish in the name of any of these other things. And this, for, at least for this for this run of the Redeem team, it seems like he was willing to be more giving. And more coachable and more, um, I think, uh, more uh, the team player. No, I think you hit it on the head. Like when you break it down like that, it's probably just true too. Like you can call him selfish or you can call him just honest. Where like on the Lakers, he is the best scorer. Right. So he's probably going to put up the most amount of shots because he also knows he's the best scorer. Right. Now he's next to LeBron James. LeBron James is also very good. Yeah. Uh, he pro- It's probably easier to trust when you know you're on a team. And that team was actually kind of like a fuddled team um, for those basketball fans out there. Like, I think they had Deron Williams, who had like a really good three years, but like people don't even talk about him anymore. He was yeah. one of the point guards on the team. People don't even mention him in like the top 20, but for his little run, he was probably a top 20 player. Um, obviously, Chris Paul, people still talk about. I think, uh, I don't know if Nash was on that team or not. I don't know who their other main point guard was. Oh, no, Nash is Canadian. Yeah. Uh, I was just thinking the era. Uh, Dwight Howard, people kind of talk about, but not really, but he was on that team. Um, Carlos Boozer is a lot in this documentary, which is kind of funny because, again, no one talks about him, but he was very good at the time. He played mm-hmm. with our boy Luel Dang for a long time in oh, Chicago. Yeah. Uh, and Carlos was really, really good, but no one's even talking about him being a top 10 power forward of all time. He might be, but point is, at that very moment, picturesque in time, he probably there's 10 or 12 people on the Olympic team. He probably is with like eight of the best in the world. Yeah. You know, cause Shaq isn't there and a couple others, but so yeah, it becomes easier to trust Yeah, for sure. Right. Like me and you run this business and, and we trust our guys and we try to put them in the best role. But if Bart Kwan's here, another great, very successful businessman, yeah, it's probably much easier for us to trust him doing certain things. Cause we know he has the experience. We know he has the skills and he has the, the, the years underneath his belt. Right. Um, where some of our, you know, employees are younger or they don't have this experience over here. They only have this experience over here. And so we're, we're on a journey together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, yeah. So rather than we've been on our journey together for a long time, right. Their journey, they're just joining the journey. Right. And it's and, all new. And, and that's probably what it is with Kobe and the Lakers, yeah. right? Like on the Lakers, you could have really good players and he did this kid, Andrew Bynum, but the dude's 19 so like yeah who's i'm if i'm kobe i'm taking the last shot too i ain't gonna get yeah. to this 19 year old like right. some of it's some of it's logical sense um but from the outside it, it, it does look selfish and, and then again the marketing how to mm-hmm. paint him as the enemy mm-hmm. versus the smiley that was the big thing for a long time was how he's like always serious in games and in this documentary brings it up too but Le- lebron james dwight howard Shaq, they're joking in games mm-hmm. um and for a while, it seemed like, yeah, they didn't care as much or whatever. And that was kind of the, the marketing portrait. But like, yeah, personalities are personalities. Doesn't mean you don't care. Um, you know, towards a conclusion of this uh, episode, I will say that like really the world misses the 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 Kobe perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the only interview is like a random one from 2015. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. And it is too bad that we don't have him here to... Um, to talk about this stuff yeah. now or whatever else he wants to talk about. I mean, he, 
he was really, you know, branching out, getting into television production stuff in in ways that uh, I don't think anybody else. I think he won an Emmy. Yeah, he did. Yeah, it uh, it is interesting to me talking <clears throat> about like celebrities and celebrities dying. I think we brought it up on the Lost podcast um, about uh, athletes being in the face or in the public eye much more than celebrities yeah. who tend to like hide behind walls in a way like yeah. you know little things like uh i know lebron james drives a uh the new electric hummer you know just because he posted on his instagram or whatever mm-hmm. i have no clue what johnny depp drives oh yeah right or like little li- whatever the fuck that's the first thing that popped in my head like you just know little stuff uh lebron james son had a birthday party this last weekend and travis scott's his friend and, and performed at a house party yeah I have no clue what George Clooney did for his birthday. No. Right? Like little things like that. And LeBron's just the first example that's popping in my head because of this. But other celebrities, or excuse me, athletes tend to be on Instagram or tend to tweet at each other mm-hmm. and kind of play the, the pop culture game mm-hmm. where like actor actors kind of disappear. Yeah, with. it's it's B's and C's and D level actors. Yeah. It's not the A levels that that, that yeah. really play the... the um, Social media game themselves. Yeah, and even still, it seems like hip hop and R and B kind of does, and then certain, you know, like a Red Hot Chili Peppers Instagram ain't active, you know, yeah. but like Drake is all over. Red Hot Chili Peppers are my age, so I, there's the answer to that I, question. That too, but I love them. But uh, whoever it might be, whatever rock and roll band's yeah. cool now, I don't even fucking know. Where yeah, Drake's showing him playing pickup basketball in his backyard and right. shit like that. Right, right. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, Kobe. Uh, about people like dying and celebrityhoods dying and and maybe that plays a role in it, right? Like Michael Jackson is such a different, I don't know, maybe not. But Michael Jackson is this world phenomena, right? Yeah. And they, they referenced Kobe to Michael Jackson in this phenomena in terms of how he was popular in China. Yeah. Um, and Michael Jackson, I think because of safety, because he was a little weird, probably because of allegations, a mixture of things. Plus, he was literally the most famous person on the planet for 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, he seemed to live very hidden life, and there's very few interviews. And even when he passed in whatever, 2010, 2011, 2012, uh, there wasn't um, stuff going on. People don't talk about Michael Jackson now, besides his music. Like, oh, yeah, Billie Jean, great song, whatever. Yeah. Where Kobe, and maybe it's just because of the generation and because maybe it's a little more fresh, but again, I don't remember this happening after Michael Jackson died for the five years. I'm on TikTok, and there's constant clips of Kobe. There's constant clips of his audio or interviews, uh, and maybe some of it's the algorithm I'm in and a basketball algorithm, mm-hmm. but still, I'm, I'm in a hip-hop or a, a, I love Michael Jackson. I'm in a bunch of music algorithms, too, and that stuff's not popping up. Or Mac Miller. Mac Miller here and there, maybe a little bit, um, because he was a little bit younger and maybe the voice of a generation. Some of his clips will pop up with, like, you know, some funny things he said or inspirational things. But Kobe does really seem to kind of transcend this afterlife. Yeah. Um, but also the culture. Um, because when you hear him speak, he doesn't have any of that, like, selfish shit, you know? No. He sounds like a totally genuine, down-to-earth. Yeah, yeah he sounds really good, dude. Normal, smart person. Crazy intelligent. I, I think he ended up with a degree, but he didn't go to college. You know, like, like there. Yeah, he's he's a smart cat. It's, how many languages did he speak? He spoke Italian. Yeah, he spoke English. I mean, he basically grew up in Italy. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's Spanish, Italian. Even make his, a joke about that in the there. There's a, LeBron makes a joke. There's about an that. even funnier one. Where's Luka Doncic from? Of Lithuania, maybe something like that. I don't know, but before Kobe passed, Luca's this up and coming kid in the NBA, and this year arguably he's going to win MVP. You guys can put my name on that. But uh, there's a story of him like playing in one of his first couple years of the NBA, and he hears someone yelling his like language to him, whether it's Lithuania or not. It's uh-huh. fucking Kobe fucking with him. Yeah, like stuff like that. Like just yeah, it seems so fun. It seems so funny. Um, 
yeah, I don't know why, but his his cultural impact seems to even in an era where, where it's twelve hour news cycle, mm-hmm. seems like Kobe's cultural impact uh, is maybe the biggest I can say for probably an athlete. Muhammad Ali still gets a lot yeah. of love, um, but Kobe might be over any celebrity that's passed. You know, like sure people talk about Elvis and there's the Elvis movie, but like in terms of everyday shit, I see Kobe stuff everywhere. People didn't know Elvis. That's a big yeah. part of it. People didn't know Elvis. Yeah, that's... and in social media, that's the beauty of it, I guess. Too, you know, and you want to call it branding or marketing, but yeah. you, you can let people know you in a way. I don't know, um, but I I can easily say uh, I'm much more of a Kobe fan than I used to be. My respect for Kobe was always high, mm-hmm. but I also never played like him. You know, I wasn't a scorer, so I never like analyzed that type of shit. And then uh, again, he was the evil guy when I was really into basketball, yeah. and he was yeah. the, he was the anti Jordan, and I was the Jordan guy. So a lot of that changed my perspective on him. But hearing stories like this makes me even more of a fan. Um, I think it's fair to say that people can figure out that we actually like this. So it's pretty good, right? We would recommend it. It's a little bit longer than I wish it was. Yeah, because they they want to dive into the history, yeah. and then they want to dive into the Kobe and the current and then yeah. the future. In a way, sort of three parts to it, and and yeah. and they set it up so you don't have to know anything about basketball or the dream team. Yeah, even though everyone, and maybe this is my bias, but you should kind of know about the dream team, whether you like basketball or not. Yeah. It's just kind of iconic. Um, so I agree. They kind of could have skipped some of that. But then they want to round it out with the Doug Collins. You know, they want to make yeah. it heartfelt. So they, they yeah, try yeah. to get all these lines yeah. going. I agree. And it's not fast, per se. No. Um, but there is, like, good info. And I think it's well shot. And personally, again, it talks a lot about, like, the chemistry and, like, interpersonal relationships. Which is, what, again, I like the barbell because I think it's good for everyone. It's like a microphone for me to speak to the world through strength training. Mm. Basketball, I do love the sport. And I, I like the semantics of it and the, the strategy. But, like, the team building and the cohesiveness within basketball is so different than every other sport to me because every player is 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 needed and capable of doing everything in the game mm. where that doesn't happen in any other sport. Mm. Uh, like goalies ain't scoring goals, <laughs> yeah. right? Goalies, you know, you're not even allowed to touch the ball for 90% of the positions in football, yeah. <laughs> right? So like things like that have always drawn me to the sport, but the interpersonal relationships and how small the team is that that is allowed and it's, it's needed. Um, or even Kyle talks about, uh, you know, our GM played pro baseball for a long time. Uh, he's like, I didn't even know all the guys on the team, you know, like, like they, they yeah. go over there and do their thing. And I'm over here with the pitchers. That's just how we go. And uh, Dan and Kyle or Dan and uh, Marcus, our, our buddies played D1 football. They're like, yeah, dude, you just play with your positions. I didn't know the running back or I didn't know the quarterback. Like we fist bumped and that was that. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you'd ever watched um, LeBron's HBO show, The Shop. You will oh en- no, I never did. You will enjoy this, and vice versa. If yeah. you if you watch this, you and enjoyed this, you'll enjoy that because it leans in on the the conversational, you know, yeah. individual perspective of whatever they're talking about. I've seen clips of it, <clears throat> and then uh, it's very very good. Really, Matt Barnes and, and Stephen Jackson, Matt Barnes, Sacramento local. They have a podcast. And they're both yeah. pretty good NBA players, and they they obviously get the exclusives because they're friends with everyone. They're right. kind of journeymen, even though they're really good players, which is often not always the case. Um, so they're friends with everybody. Yeah, they're friends with their own. They played with Curry. They played with Kobe. They played their interview with Kobe is really really good. Um, but stuff like that's cool. Again, going back to like uh, Johnny Depp. I don't know why that name popped in my head, but he doesn't have a podcast. No, you know what I mean. Like these athletes, uh, maybe they have a more entrepreneurial mind because it's not a money thing. You could no, argue these NBA guys no. are making more than some of these celebrities. No. I think a lot of it is fighting boredom. Uh, like, maybe that's it. Yeah, I need to do a creative thing to fight my boredom. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, maybe. 
anyway, we we always try to uh, evaluate these things on their own scale. And um, the thing that uh, this is just I'm pandering here, but I'm going to pander anyway. Uh, my my scale is going to be uh, one to five black mambas. Um, I'm going to go. I'm basing this on other documentaries that we've covered on the show. Okay, right. I'm probably I'm probably going to go like a four a four four, maybe a four five. Let's go f- t- t- four eight. Okay, I thought I w- it was pretty good. I was going to say four five. Yeah. it's 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 um it's very well executed. If you were more of a basketball fan than I am, you will enjoy it even more than I did. Yeah. If you're an Olympics fan, you'll probably get it as well. I think so. Um, yeah, I, I just don't like my mom doesn't even like basketball that much. She likes soccer more and shit, and she'd probably like it. You know, I think I think most people would like the interpersonal stuff. And Kobe's such a household name. Yeah, I think I think the worst rating from a view, one of our audience would be like a four. Like it's good. You're gonna like it. Yeah, probably so. And we don't recommend a ton here. No. <laughs> all right, let's wrap this one up, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for listening. Three sb.co for all your apparel needs. New drop coming within the upcoming weeks. If you want to get involved, fifty percentfacts.com. You can join our Discord. It's a group chat. It's where everyone's hanging out. It's an app. Um, we just have a group chat where you kick it. You get exclusives. You get early access to all our drops. And I'm sick and tired of you guys asking about restocks. We don't do them. New things are coming. You got to act fast. Act soon. Uh, new episodes every Wednesday and Friday. I'm Solomon Mike. Where you want to find me? I am at the G McD on all the social media. Yeah, my voice is still a little blown. It's allergy season for me. It's always allergy season for me, particularly in the fall and the spring and sometimes the winter and often the summer. Uh, This show is 50% Facts, where percent is a word and 50 is just numbers. 50% Facts is a Spreaker Prime podcast. In association with iHeartMedia on the Obscure Celebrity Network, where you should check out the other shows as well, stemmed out with the Game Day guys, and hashtag coffee time with no can see. And uh, we'll talk to you on Friday.